brain fog, insomnia, moodiness, achy joints, weight gain. Maybe you're thinking they're all just part of getting older, or that's what your doctor tells you. But Midi Health understands that for women over 40, they can all be connected. Hormonal changes that happen during perimenopause and menopause are at the root of dozens of symptoms women experience, not just hot flashes. Midi specializes in compassionate care for women in menopause. Their solutions are safe, effective, and FDA approved. Plus, they're covered by insurance. A convenient telehealth visit with a MIDI clinician can be your first step to getting personalized care. They'll tailor a treatment plan for your symptoms and health history so you can get back to feeling great. 91% of MIDI patients get relief from symptoms within just two months. When your body changes, your care should too. Book your virtual visit today at joinmidi.com. That's joinmidi.com. With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. There's no music for me. That'll do it. What's going on, everybody? Welcome to the awesome.com MLB strategy show. Dave Lochran with me as always every Wednesday, Adam Share. We've got ourselves a 10 gamer to break down today, and we're happy to have everyone with us as always. Adam, what's going on, brother? We had a wild game seven last night. Uh, Boston Celtics look like the team to beat in the East. Am I crazy to say that? Like right now, they look like the team to beat. I know you're a Milwaukee guy. Josh is a Milwaukee truther. Boston looks ridiculously good. Boston looks really, really good. Uh, Miami also just scares the shit out of me as a Milwaukee guy. Yeah, that's true. Miami looks awesome. I know it's I know it's an MLB show. You and I are going to talk NBA. I believe we're together today on uh, NBA Live Before Lock as well. So yep. we'll dive into all of that good stuff. But uh, it's definitely been an enjoyable thing to watch. And you're getting some teams that really aren't expected to win coming out and winning. We've got baseball as well, though. And like I said, 10 games to touch on. Some pretty solid pitchers at the top. Max Scherzer against Philly. I think they've lost like six or seven straight to the Phillies. So uh, this is a spot where Max Scherzer are going to need to come out and make things happen. Uh, Walker Bueller coming off the 10-day injured list. Pitched six one-run frames his last time out with 11 Ks against the Rockies. Denelson Lamette against the Angels. Zach Wheeler, who's striking nobody out this year. Zach Gallen, Christian Javier. Those are your guys in that 9K and up range. We're going to dive into all of them. But let's kick it off with Tampa Bay and the New York Yankees. Adam, Charlie Morton uh, making his return. He hasn't pitched in a little while. He is also activated from the injured list. His last start was the 9th of uh, October, or sorry, 9th of August against this very same New York Yankees team. Now, his his numbers don't look particularly great because that first start, he got blown up. He wasn't terrible after that, but I, I have to assume... I have to assume that he's going to be limited 
uh, in his return from almost a month-long hiatus. The Yankees have a 4.8 implied total, 4.3 for the Rays, uh, plus 109 on the money line. Let's kick it off with Charlie Morton coming back from the injured list. Yeah, my expectation is that he'll be limited as well. Um, obviously, he missed about a month, like you said, but also just not having the minor leagues this year. You, you know, you can throw as many simulated games as you want, but it's not the same as going down and throwing, getting a couple rehab starts in before you come back up. So fully expecting him to be limited here. His velocity was down prior to the injury as well. Um, his last two starts before he was injured, he was averaging 93 miles an hour on his fastball. Prior to that, it was 92 and a half, 91.8. So it was trending up a little bit, but still down, you know, pretty significantly from last season uh, when, when, you know, he averaged like 94, 95 miles an hour on his fastball. So uh, that's something to be concerned about. Obviously not looking to roster him, assuming that he is going to be limited, but um, potential concerns about his effectiveness in general combined with him probably not going deep into this game and just the amount of power in the Yankees lineup does kind of make their, their stacks interesting if they're not getting too much ownership. On the other side, you've got Jordan Montgomery, pretty solid lefty, not, not, not a special pitcher by any stretch, you know, kind of a middle of the rotation guy. He's good, uh, but not going to get you an insane amount of strikeouts. You're not going to get a whole lot of upside out of, out of Montgomery. On the season right now, he's striking batters out at 20%, kind of par for the course, Adam. He doesn't walk a lot of batters. He doesn't strike a ton of batters out. He's got a 12.7% swinging strike rate, though, which isn't bad, and an XFIP sub four. So, like, his numbers are good. But the Tampa Bay Rays are also a a, a pretty respectable baseball team. You and I have raved over the, the way Ca- the, what Cash has done with this team as a general manager, the way they've constructed it with maybe not all of the best players, but still – in uh, an uncanny ability to win baseball games. What are we thinking here with the 4.3 implied total for the Rays? Is Jordan Montgomery worth putting any attention towards? Uh, so on a kind of completely side note, uh, you mentioned cash and made me think of it. This game has the potential to really get ugly too. I'm not sure if you saw highlights from last night, but um, benches kind of cleared at the end of that game after Chapman threw a pitch 101 miles an hour over Mike Brousseau's head. But yeah, after the game, insa- that's insane. Like that'll you kill see, somebody. Did you, did you see Kevin Cash? Are we certain it was intentional? No, I mean Cash. Okay. Did Did you see Cash's uh, post game? I did it. That's why I'm at. That's, oh, okay. that's why I'm asking you. I so was, yeah, he, he he went off in the post game, basically calling out Chapman, calling out the Yankees coaching staff, calling out the umpires for not handling correctly. He finished it with. Uh, he said his quote was, I believe, the last thing I have to say about it is I have a whole damn stable full of guys that throw 98, period. And, no. <laughs> and that oh, was, okay. so that, that, that was how Kevin Cash ended his, uh, his thoughts on it last night. So th- this game does have some potential for fireworks. But um, going back to, to Montgomery, you know, yeah, I think he's a, a pretty decent pitcher. He has um, good off-speed pitches, good secondary pitches that they get some swings and misses. Doesn't really put it together in terms of a high strikeout percentage. I, and I do respect the Tampa bats, like you said. You know, I think that it, it'll be tough to get to him because you just look at the pitchers priced around him and the two pitchers above him in salary on DraftKings, you have Hauser against Detroit, you have Berrios against the White Sox at sub 8K for probably the first time in like four years. And then below him, skipping over Jacob Junis, you have Tristan McKenzie facing Kansas City. So I think there's three arms in good matchups priced right around Montgomery that have more strikeout upside than he does. Uh, so I think it'll be tough to, to roster him. Now, with that in mind, are there any bats here that you're interested in getting to? Not not a particularly high-scoring game, at least not projected to be uh, nine over under right now, which in 2020's Major League Baseball is actually pretty low. 
Yeah, I mean, both that, both stacks right now are projected to be a little bit on their own, but neither one projects for a high, you know, top stack percentage. So they look more like kind of like large field tournament plays to me, where obviously the Yankees have enough power in their lineup, and really the the Rays do too. Where if they're getting three to four percent aggregate ownership, there is going to be some appeal getting there. But I don't think either one's in a really high probability spot. We talk about it a lot that bullpen games aren't really that appealing and obviously charlie morton isn't normally someone you want to target against either montgomery's a a decent enough pitcher so i think the the interest for me is more so in stacks than one-offs and also more so in large field tournaments than your smaller stuff how deep do you think morton goes into this game assuming he's assuming he's doing all right yeah my guess would be something like four innings so like in his last start he had thrown 50 pitches um prior to that he was at 93 that's going back almost a full month. I, I'm guessing you get something like 50, 60 pitches, four innings around there. All right, let's move on to the, the Cubs and the Pittsburgh Pirates then. Pirates, just the absolutely dreadful team this season. Kyle Hendricks, Joe Musgrove. We have a bunch of guys being activated off the injured list today, by the way, like three or four pitchers. Joe Musgrove is the bane of mostly of your existence, but it, <laughs> at many points mine is – seriously, how many times has that guy just – just bludgeoned us. And the funny thing is he'll go out and he'll have some decent games. Uh, It's just never when we roster him and he's always cheap enough where you have to at least entertain the notion of playing him. He does, however, in, in three starts this season have a seriously problematic walk rate, but he's also been striking batters out at a decent clip, 25%, uh, almost 12% swinging strikes And one thing we know about Musgrove is he's just markedly better against righties than he is against lefties. I know that hasn't been the case this season, but it's a super small sample size. And over the course of his career, we've seen him a lot better, at least from a strikeout perspective against righties. Uh, And then on the other side, Kyle Hendricks, he's the type of pitcher that can go out there and, and sometimes you'll get a complete game or you'll get eight shutout innings from him with four strikeouts. He has been a little bit better in that respect lately. He does pitch very deep into games, but um, at, at his price point, it, it make things, makes things a little bit prohibitive there. So the, the Cubs have a 5.6 implied total at PNC Park, pitcher-friendly venue, Pirates 4.1. Cubs are minus 205 on the money line. So big favorites here for Hendricks in Chicago. Yeah, I, I don't think I'll be able to get to Musgrove um, just because it doesn't appear that he's stretched out. He threw a few innings in a simulated game, so I'm not expecting more than like five innings from him here. And obviously, it's not a great matchup against Chicago. On the other side, Hendricks by himself does have some appeal because the Pirates are so bad. Hendricks' strikeout numbers have been much better against lefties than righties due to throwing his change up 40% of the time and getting about an 18.5% swing strike percentage on it. Pittsburgh probably will have a, a balanced lineup, probably five lefties, four righties in it. Uh, so a decent spot for Hendricks, and, and obviously um, he can pay off that salary. The problem that you're going to run into, though, is just that his strikeout stuff doesn't compare to pitchers that are a little bit more expensive than him. Um, Zach Gallen, obviously a tough matchup against the Dodgers. Lamette, a tough matchup against the Angels. So you do kind of downgrade them a little bit, but there's no question those guys both have a, a lot better strikeout stuff than Hendricks does. Wheeler, every year prior to this season, has. Um, obviously, you have Scherzer at the top. So with there being some really legitimate arms at the top of this slate, and then also that kind of high upside mid-range that I mentioned before with Hauser, Berrios, and McKenzie, I think it'll be tough to prioritize Hendricks, but he is at least in the conversation as far as, you know, if his ownership is really low in tournament, someone you can get to because it is a good matchup. He is a good pitcher. Um, You you just kind of have to be on the right side of variance with him actually getting strikeouts. 
do you buy into the fact that his strikeout stuff against lefties is way better than it has been against righties? Because I, I know, bought. I'm sorry, but I, I know there, there are a couple arguments you can make is he throws his change up 30, he's throwing his change up 37% of the time against lefties this season, his curveball 17% of the time. So he does have the pitches to be able to set down lefties, but that seems like a pretty dramatic split. I buy into the left-handed numbers being where they're at. I think the right-handed numbers come up. Come up, yeah. If you go back and look at previous seasons, in 2018, he struck out 23.5% of lefties, 17% of righties. Last year, he struck out 24% of lefties, 17.3% of righties. This year, he's at 24% of lefties again, but only 13% of righties. So I think you do see an increase in the right-handed numbers to still a below-average number, just not as low as it is, and that the left-handed numbers pretty much hold true where they are. What about hitters here? Talking Cubs, we mentioned already they have an implied total of 5.6. Even in, even in a spacious, pitcher-friendly venue like PNC Park, the Cubs are, are expected to, to kind of lay it on Musgrove in this Pittsburgh bullpen. Where do you stand on them knowing that pricing is really not that crazy? Rizzo's above 5K, right? Like speaking specifically to DraftKings for a moment. If Ian Happ leads off, he's 4K. Chris Bryant's 4,400, Baez 4,300, Schwarber 4,100, Contreras 48, Hayward 2-1, Martinez 3-8, Kipnis 2-6. It's actually a really cheap lineup given their total. What do you think of that? Yeah, my first thought when I looked at it was that I was expecting to look at the, the lineup and look at the top stack tool and see the Cubs have one of the highest top stack percentages, but the ownership, you know, be up around 20% or something right now. It's, it's actually not, we have Chicago with the highest top stack percentage and the third highest ownership, uh, aggregate ownership behind Atlanta and San Diego. If it holds like that, I, I like getting to the Cubs because 11% aggregate ownership is a lot, but it's not enough where I'm pretty much just fading it regardless in tournaments and their top stack percentage again is the highest on the slate musgrove not you know not a gas can but will give up home runs and you do have a lot of of very affordable power in this lineup so i'm really interested to see where the ownership goes um i I definitely am going to be paying attention to it because these prices stand out so much i think that you will get a lot of it especially because also like thinking in terms of a five-man stack like let's say you're trying to get to Scherzer and another you know good pitcher, you you're gonna have a twenty one hundred dollar Hayward or a twenty six hundred dollar Kipnis that you can throw into your stack to basically just offset how it's you know any any sort of expense there. So uh, I think you see a lot of ownership. It's just a matter of how high does it get. Uh, the way we have it projected right now, I would still like the Cubs. All right. Any interest here in Pittsburgh? My assumption would be that you don't. Your assumption's correct. I do think 3K Adam Frazier looks really good. I think as a one-off, a $3,300 Josh Bell is fine because of the power upside, but typically not in the habit of picking on Kyle Hendricks. Okay. We'll move it on then. Philadelphia, Washington. Phillies running Zach Wheeler out there today. He has been – Zach Wheeler, in terms of being able to limit and prevent runs, has been spectacular. On the other hand – he has offered pretty much nothing in the form of, of strikeouts. Single-digit swinging strike rate. His strikeout rate is 15.3%. Five strikeouts per nine. Really not good stuff. Lefties and righties both striking them out below 17%. Um, he's done a good job of walking nobody. He's prevented home runs, Adam. Uh, like there, there are a lot of great things he's done. If you're... If you're the Phillies or if you're Joe Girardi, you're saying, all right, cool, just keep running out there and and not giving up runs, not giving up home runs. But from a DFS standpoint, this price to me seems 
outrageously high unless we start to see him kind of unless we see those strikeout numbers stabilize. But the problem is strikeouts usually stabilize pretty quickly, and it hasn't happened with Zach Wheeler. Maybe it has somewhat something to do with some of the matchups he's gotten, but all in all, uh, that's a really, really startlingly low K rate for Wheeler, who's usually at least significantly better than that. Yeah, I think there's a couple things to be concerned about. Um, you know, you mentioned the matchups; they really haven't been that bad. I Obviously, think so I don't know. Either, yeah, yeah, I don't know what the lineups were, but he faced Atlanta twice, and typically this year Atlanta's had plenty of strikeouts in their lineup. He's faced Baltimore, he's faced Miami, he's faced the Yankees, um, faced the Mets. Like, there's, there's plenty of strikeouts to be had there. The other thing is, if you look at what he's throwing this year and compare it to last year, it is a little bit concerning. When last year he was throwing his force to, to right-handed hitters. Uh, he was throwing his four-seam fastball 32%. He was throwing his sinker 29%. He gets more swinging strikes on his four-seam fastball, as you would expect. And he was throwing his slider about 25%. This year, he's increased his sinker usage to 45%, cut back his four-seam usage to 20%. So he's last year, he threw about 60% fastballs combined. This year, he's at 65%, but a much larger percentage of that is his sinker that does not get any swings and misses as opposed to his four-seam fastball. And then he's cut his slider usage back from 25% to about 19%. Um, so I, I do think that it's concerning, you know, what what he's doing there from a pitch mix standpoint. Um, I, I still don't think that, you know, if, if he were to pitch this way for an entire season, his strikeout percentage wouldn't be as low as it is right now, I don't think. But um, it, it does concern me a little bit. But like you said, the salary being where it is, it's it's – kind of interesting because like if, if Zach Wheeler starts being 8,200 or something, you're just going to roster Zach Wheeler every sl- every slate based on his career numbers. But at 9,500, it's kind of not a spot that I, I like all that much. The, the one argument that you can make, I guess, is that the pitchers at the top, with the exception of Scherzer, don't really have good matchups for, for strikeouts. Like it's a tough spot for Lamette. It's a tough spot for Gallon. So, you know, maybe if those guys are still getting a lot of ownership, you pivot to Wheeler, but I still think he's a little more expensive than he should be given the strikeout numbers this year. So Scherzer right now getting uh, quite a bit of ownership. Shouldn't be a surprise. You just pointed out like there aren't that many guys in favorable spots at the top, uh, but this Phillies offense is, has been very good. And, Early in the season, you had guys like McCutcheon and Reese Hoskins that were completely lost. They've turned things around in a big way. Uh, you have Bryce Harper. You have the best, one of the best hitting catchers, arguably the best hitting catcher in the league, uh, in, in JT Romuto. I don't know. I, I, tell me where you're at on, on this matchup, whether it's, all right, the matchup concerns me. This is a really good, I don't think there's any disputing right now that this team can hit really well. Uh, but is it, that, but hey, his price is reasonable. He's still got wicked strikeout stuff, and I've got to look there. Or is there an argument to say, well, the Philadelphia Phillies against righties this season are top 10 in pretty much every category, WOBA, ISO, WRC+, and have the lowest strikeout rate in the league at 19.4%. I got to put all that on the table before we get there. Yeah, I, I mean, I think the salary for Scherzer – keeps him firmly in play just because you're not overpaying. I mean, it's, it's a pitcher with great strikeout stuff. And like, like we said, pretty much all the guys at the top are in subpar strikeout matchups. The thing that I think, and Scherzer are also not getting a crazy amount of ownership. Like we haven't projected to be the highest owned pitcher on the slate, but only at 38%. So it's not like this is one of those slates, at least right now where we're projecting 60% ownership to go to Scherzer. All that being said, I think that, there's a really good chance I end up kind of just avoiding this pricing tier because I'm going to want to get to that Barrios McKenzie uh, 
you know, there's guys. With lucky landslots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to. Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Lucky Land Casino, asking people, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. In the middle. Um, so I, I think that that'll keep my exposure to Scherzer at least somewhat in check. But I do think that at 10-4, he's just a, a little cheaper than he should be for his ceiling. I do too. I, Yeah, he is. But if he's going to come in around like 40, 45% ownership, there's, I think there's, there's, there's reason for me to, to potentially back away from that a little bit. And, I, and I'm not saying that's crazy ownership on a two-game slate, or I'm sorry, on a two-pitcher site and a 10-game slate. It's not. But, yeah, I, I don't like the fact that the Phillies have the lowest strikeout rate in the league against righties, Adam. Like that, I, I know he can strike anybody out. Totally understand that. And they've got a lot of righties in this lineup, too. So that works in his favor. But really not striking out at all this year. Yeah, I, I really think for me it's just going to come down to there's not a good option that's really cheap on the slate. And so just thinking about it in terms of, of pitcher pairs, you're probably going to get – you are probably you might like your lineups more if you're going – if you're saving like 2500 basically going Barrios McKenzie over Scherzer McKenzie. Uh, granted, with some of the batter pricing, it probably won't be that much of an issue. But, um, yeah, I mean, I'm still – like I'm still giving the edge to Scherzer here just because of how good he is. But, you know, also, and I'm not sure if you mentioned it, the Phillies have a 4.2 implied run total, which obviously isn't high, but I didn't mention that, but I'm glad you did. Yeah. But, but for, you know, when you think about it relative to where, where teams are normally at in Max Scherzer starts, it's pretty high. I would say so. Yeah. But I'm not that surprised by it. Like it, it's the, it's a good pitcher against a very good off. I'm sorry. Right. An elite pitcher against a very good offense. So, you know, last year we probably would have seen it at 3.2 or something like this. Right. It's a big difference. There's no doubt about it. One other thing to, to point out, because I um, just pulled it up, but Zach Wheeler is projected for 2.5% ownership on DraftKings right now. Um, I, I mentioned it when I talked about him, but if that's going to be the case, like I, I can have serious concerns about Wheeler and still think that he should be higher than 2% owned on the slate. That's fair, yeah. Nationals third lowest K rate against righties, but if it's going to be that, yeah, if it's going to be that low, a good pitcher who is preventing runs, you know, he, he, he and, and like, and as you said earlier, there, there should be some type of positive regression here in terms of strikeouts because is his pitch mix a little bit different? Yeah. But Zach Wheeler is still a good pitcher. He still should be able to, to, to produce better than he has in that department. But I guess we will uh, find out. Do you have any thoughts on hitters here? I think the Phillies are kind of interesting. Um, there's enough good pitching on this slate where 
there's not that many offenses that jump out as being, you know, really, really high probability spots. There's a few, but um, if you're, you know, we kind of talked about all the, the concerns for Scherzer and if he's going to be the most popular pitcher on the slate, you do have a favorable park for hitting. Um, I don't, I don't mind taking the shots at Phillies, especially, you know, large field tournaments, like in three max type stuff, you probably don't need to go there, but in, in larger field stuff, you're leveraging against, you know, 40% of the field and and you're getting a high upside offense. Uh, right now we have the Phillies with the fourth lowest top stack percentage at 2%, but a sub 1% aggregate ownership share, which is tied with the White Sox for the sector for the lowest on the slate. It's pretty wild that DraftKings priced Harper at 5,900 in this matchup. Yeah. That'll keep his ownership at uh non-existent. Yeah. Probably like zero. Right. But you can balance it out with Jay Bruce, just 2,500. Yeah, there's a few guys that are really cheap for yeah, sure. Yeah, Roman Quinn's the minimal. I wonder what 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 Harper's ownership's coming in at right now. It's got to be super low. It's got to be like nothing, less than one percent maybe. Now nah, I give him, I'll give him three. Let's see, I give him two and a half. Point three. Point three. <laughs> Point three. All right, I got the three. Let's move it on to Boston and Atlanta then. Uh, hey, hit that thumbs up if you haven't done so yet. You know. I won't, I don't, I shouldn't have to repeat myself, but I will. It helps us out a ton. And uh, your guys' support keeps us being able to do this to keep getting eyes on the show, grow it, and do it for free. Uh, so hit that thumbs up, subscribe, hit the notification bell as well. So you always know when new content's coming up next. We got football coming up real shortly baseball, basketball, golf, UFC, everything, everything here at youtube.com slash awesome. Let's go to Atlanta or go to Boston Fenway Park where they're hosting the Atlanta Braves today. Robbie Erlin. And then you've got uh, Mike Kickham. So I don't know a ton about Mike Kickham outside of the fact that his contract was selected by the Red Sox on Monday. And well, he's pitching, I think the bigs for the first time since 2014, reading this straight off the player page, Adam. <laughs> so uh, as of now, the the total in this game runs for the uh, implied run total for the Atlanta Braves is six, five point one for the Boston Red Sox. This does not feel like a spot where we should be terribly enthusiastic about getting to uh, to pitchers. And the Atlanta Braves against Kickham have the second highest projected aggregate ownership as a team. Boston is even up there in the top seven or eight as well, despite their struggles this season. So. Uh, again, it's projecting to be an offensive game for sure. Yeah, it is. And kick him, you know, like, like you said, he's 31. He's been around, not really in the majors, um, through 28 innings in 2013 with the Giants, two innings in 2014 with the Giants, hasn't been in the majors since then. Was at AAA with the Marlins last year, 31 appearances, 13 starts, 86 innings pitched, struck out 8.8, uh, per nine innings, 21.9% strikeout percentage. Steamer projects him for, 8.16 strikeouts per nine, which for a minimum price pitcher actually isn't bad. Um, but I have concerns about how DP goes into the game. I don't really have any way of, of gauging that. And it's not like it's a good matchup against Atlanta. I, I, I doubt that I get there. It would be more appealing if this were a slate where you had, you know, Scherzer at 12K facing the, you know, Pirates or something. And you really wanted to get there, but um, I, I just don't really see myself going that route roster instruction was. Okay. So what then are you doing specifically with this game? Is there anything on either side of this game that you, you envision yourself having a lot of? The bats, all of them. Um, 
you know, like kick them. I don't expect to be any good. The Braves obviously have a lot of right-handed power with Ozuna. Diarno will be a, a really good catcher option. Riley, Duvall, Swanson, uh, these guys, you know, all have power from the right side. Freeman's just a good hitter in general. So the Braves, you know, with a six implied run total, obviously you're going to get a lot of ownership, but I think deservedly so. They're also very affordably priced. So that will drive down that Cubs ownership that we were talking about before. Uh, it explains why the Cubs ownership isn't higher than it is. Um, on the other side, you know, Robbie Erlin facing potentially JD Martinez, uh, Xander Bogarts, Michael Chavez. Like there's right handed power in this lineup too, not nearly as much as there is in the Atlanta lineup, not nearly as much as there has been in the past for, for Boston. So I, I do like the Braves more than I like the Red Sox. Um, but I do think they both look like pretty good options. Uh, they're both right now coming in a little bit overowned relative to top stack percentage, but nothing uh, too crazy for either one. Favorite bats from this one right now as it stands? Uh, Marcelo Zuna at 4,300 on DraftKings. D'Arno because of his position I think looks really good. And Austin Riley at 3,600. There's just too much power there for that. Also, okay. Adam, also Adam Duvall at 3,100. The Braves are, are really affordably priced. Yeah, they are. Very. I, I was surprised by that quite a bit, as a matter of fact. Robbie Erlin, it's crazy, too. He's striking righties out at 29%, uh, but he's given up a ton of power to them. 313 ISO this season. So uh, I, I think I know you touched a lot on Atlanta and, and a bit on Boston, but the the Boston Red Sox are going to have a, a slew of right-handed hitters in the middle of that order from Martinez to assuming he's at, in the lineup to Bogarts, to Vasquez, to Ch- Chavis. Uh, they've got a lot of, of, of righties there. I know you like Atlanta a lot, but just to, to be sure here, because this is going to be one of those games that has a decent amount of ownership uh, right now with the, 5% aggregate ownership for this Boston stack. Do, do they appeal to you at, at that, like at that ownership, does that make them one of your preferred teams, even if they're not close to Atlanta? Yeah. I mean, I, I like them. I think that their ownership right now is coming in about where, where it should. The problem is just that beyond Martinez and, and Bogarts, there's nothing that I really like feel good about, you know, it's you're, you're basically counting on Robbie Erlin not being good, which, you know, you mentioned the power numbers to righties this year. If you go back to last year, it holds, you know, he has a 202 ISO to righties since the start of last season. Like there's definite um, power upside here. It's just that you know, Christian Vasquez is fine, but like Michael Travis, Bobby Dahlbeck, who made his debut a couple of days ago, um, they're just not, they don't have the same track record as a lot of these guys, you know, on Atlanta or on Chicago. And uh, they're, they're clearly not as good an offense that is reflected in the ownership though. Um, so I, I think they're coming in about where they should be. Okay. And given their performance this season, they're kind of expensive. Like Vasquez and, and Martinez have been not really that good this year at all. Uh, Devers has been okay. They're all 5k plus Vasquez is 4,500. That's a lot for this team, even in this matchup. So uh, I think that could be one of the reasons that you see ownership down a little bit. Let's talk about Milwaukee and Detroit. Halfway through it here almost. Milwaukee uh, running out Adrian Hauser, Spencer Turnbull for the Detroit Tigers. I guess we can start with Hauser here. He's okay. So if you're talking from a strikeout perspective alone, um, Hauser's had. A, a tough time striking lefties out, like a really tough time. Less than 11, 10.8% strikeouts. He has a 1.2% K minus BB rate. Not good. Uh, 28% strikeouts against righties. He's not getting a ton of swinging strikes. Called plus swinging strike is 27%. That's a very low number. Um, 
And the the total here, you know, looking at this between two guys that are kind of susceptible susceptible to getting beat up, but more so Turnbull, 5.1 for Milwaukee, four runs for Detroit is 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 Hauser Hauser's price is crazy. If he was probably 6K, 6,500, I, I think there'd be a decent amount of of interest in him. But at 8,500, that seems pretty restrictive given what we've seen from him this year. But I, I guess I'll ask you this. What if what if Detroit does run out uh, a bunch of righties? I think you're probably going to see, what, six of them, six, five, six righties in the lineup? Hauser's still too expensive for you, right? I have some interest in Hauser just because, um, for one, I don't buy into Detroit being as good an offense as they have for, for this season so far. Um, I do think there's, sh- there should be a lot of strikeouts in this lineup. It, it is dependent, like you said, on kind of how the lineup looks, but also I don't want to get caught up too much in Hauser's strikeout numbers this year. You know, he's only thrown a total of 290 pitches to lefties last year. He struck out about 25%, 25.8% of lefties. He is throwing his sinker more this year to lefties than he did last year, which is never something you want to see. But, you know, I, I don't think his strikeout numbers hold this low uh, going forward. So I'm still kind of interested there. And then obviously the strikeout numbers against righties, like you said, have been great this year. They were really good last year too. So some interest in Hauser. He's coming in at about 17% owned right now. I think that seems, you know, pretty fair. The, I think biggest thing is that Barrios is clearly a better pitcher than Hauser is, Um, you know, all the, we, we talk about various flaws a lot, but he shouldn't be $600 less expensive than Adrian Hauser. So um, that makes it you know kind of tough. But I, I do think that especially if the lineup is is balanced or predominantly right-handed, it is a good spot for Hauser. What are we doing with the Milwaukee bats here? Five plus implied total against Spencer Turnbull, who uh, in, in it's it's been really a tough time not walking. He's walking 15% of righties this season. His walk rate's through the roof, man. Overall, uh, he's striking out 20% of batters, I think it is, and walking 14% of batters. He's he's given up a, a fair amount of runs. Uh, on the home run front, though, Spencer Turnbull has done a good job of, of preventing them. I think he's pitched like, yeah, 30, he's pitched 30 innings. He hasn't, give, he hasn't allowed a home run yet. So He's had a couple ugly starts given that he's only thrown a few innings in those games, given up three runs, three runs and four, three runs and two. Um, but he's overall been satisfactory in run prevention. The problem is he's not a particularly great pitcher, and I don't know how, how deep he goes. He did throw eighty or 97 pitches last time out. But again, I'll come back to this. He's almost $9,000 on DraftKings. I, I, I saw... Normally, I wouldn't even spend this much time talking about him, but Milwaukee has been a team that's striking out a ton against righties this season. Uh, let me just make sure it's still Milwaukee on the year is striking out at the second highest clip against righties uh, right behind their opponent today, the Detroit Tigers. They have a 73 WRC plus against righties. They've been really bad uh, against right-handed pitching. So it, it, putting all of that together, what are your thoughts on Turnbull and and, and how does that uh, align with that Vegas total we're seeing from Milwaukee. Yeah, it's the, the price is really the issue for me because you do get those strikeouts from Milwaukee, like you said, but Turnbull has always had better strikeout stuff against righties than lefties, you know, as you would expect. And Milwaukee most likely will have um, at least 
five lefties in this lineup. Um, but also, you know, you have Turnbull at the same price as Kyle Hendricks, who's facing Pittsburgh. Like there is a, a big ownership gap, but I would rather go to Hendricks. You have um, Christian Javier, who's not that much more expensive than Turnbull. You have Hauser and more importantly, Barrios, who are less expensive. So it will drive his ownership down. And if you're looking for, you know, a 2% play, then, then fine. But I think that there's going to be easier ways to differentiate your lineup than hoping Turnbull beats that whole group of pitchers. Um, the I guess one positive thing for Turnbull is that he does he has done a good job of limiting power. Going back to last year, a 132 ISO allowed to lefties, 140 to righties. Obviously, both of those numbers look good. And so um, it, it does at least somewhat contained interest in Milwaukee. Uh, the Brewers are really cheap with the exception of, of Yelich and Keston Hira. Um, Justin Smoke, obviously Al Garcia, Luis uh, Urias probably leading off, Omar Narvaez. Like, these guys are all really inexpensive. But that's the case for a lot of teams today, and I think that there's some better matchups than, than Turnbull. Okay. I guess I am a little bit interested in Turnbull. Some of that is going to depend on on what ownership looks like, but – Here's how I see it, right? If Hauser, if, if, if you mentioned Hendricks, understandable for sure. Hauser's getting 17% too. Hendricks is getting 17%. Turnbull's getting 1.7% ownership right now. I, I understand that there are some concerns with Spencer Turnbull, but he's when he hasn't had any limitations, like that one start where he, he left early against the White Sox, He's actually been pretty good, Adam. Like I, I don't know. I, I guess I, I guess there's there's a couple things to consider here. The first one, obviously, being the Milwaukee has just not been very good, and, and they they should they should improve. Uh, and the Turnbull's not striking out a ton of batters. He's got a twenty percent K rate on the season. Uh, I don't know. It just seems like a, a pretty good matchup, and I, I might I might I might get to some Spencer Turnbull today if his ownership stays below two percent while all of these other guys in the similar price range ends up, end up getting close to 20. So um, what about the rest of this game? Bats interest you on either side? To some extent, um, not really the Detroit side. Obviously, if you can get the Yelich, that's fine. But Turnbull does do a pretty good job of limiting power, like I said. So really all that – the biggest appeal to me is just the Milwaukee bats because as a stack, they're pretty inexpensive and they do have a lot of power. Um, I just don't think it's a spot that they come through all that often. All right. Let's talk about Cleveland, easy for me to say, and Kansas City, Jake Junis, Tristan, not Tristan, Tristan McKenzie. He's uh, made a couple of appearances this year, four innings, six innings. He did strike out 10 against Detroit in one game, uh, which I guess is is worth mentioning, going up against the Kansas City team today that uh, doesn't really threaten much whatsoever, although... Uh, they're also not going to strike out at an insane clip either. I guess they have a actually they have a higher K rate than I would have anticipated. Sub 100 WRC plus. What are what are your thoughts on the bats here right now? Royals four run implied total, five point one implied total for the Cleveland Indians. Let's start. Um, let's actually kick this off with with Tristan McKenzie, sixty seven hundred on DraftKings. I think he looks like one of the better values on the slate. Um, we only have him projected for nineteen percent ownership right now, which surprises me. I think that that might come up throughout the day because, you know, obviously a low implied run total for Kansas city, like it's even lower than the Phillies against Scherzer, but also just a really cheap price point for one of Cleveland's top pitching prospects. He obviously was amazing. His first With the lucky land slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. 
This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandsLots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day a little. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. BGW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. First start. Um, struggled his second start. But overall, you know, struck out 24% of hitters um, at or at, at AA last year. Projects by steamer for an 8.7, for 8.75 strikeouts per nine. Just, you know, a pretty solid pitcher. And he's he's inexpensive against a mediocre Kansas City lineup. Um, I, I think that he looks like a really good option. And if the ownership doesn't skyrocket between now and lock, I expect to have a lot of him. I would think so, too. It, it's a it's a pretty appealing spot. He's He's priced nicely. When you have a lot of these other pitchers that are maybe priced up a little bit too much, I'd say you have some inflated pricing on a bunch of these guys. Not that they're entirely impossible to get to, but I definitely think someone like McKenzie should probably be around 7,500 or so, and, and he's not. So I, I like that. Uh, he showed earlier in the year that he's very capable of putting up, you know, decent strikeout totals. It's a small sample for sure, and we don't really have a ton to go off of, so I don't really want to dive too much into that. But uh, if, if you're if you're talking about his minor league stuff, do you think that he can translate, Adam, pretty decent numbers coming into uh, coming into this season, coming into the major league level? Because at, at Double A, he struck out a ton. Uh, sorry, Single A and A plus last year at Double A or two years ago, sorry, double A, he threw through 90 innings and struck out like 24% of batters, less than a, a batter per inning, but uh, 24%. And I guess, I, I don't know where to put him. It might not matter on a, on a day like today where he's only 6,700 though. Yeah, I mean, that's the biggest thing is the salary. And I think that, I mean, he's young. He, he just turned 23. So the numbers he was putting up in the minors, you know, in 2018, he would have been, I guess, 21 at double A, uh, or I guess for most of the season, he would have been, 20 right whatever yeah. but yeah so um you know whatever he, he's young for the level he's still putting up good numbers he's one of cleveland's top prospects like the pedigree is there um I, I think that he should be good i don't expect him to just come up and dominate the major leagues immediately but the upside at least is there uh the stuff looks pretty good averaging about 94 miles an hour on his fastball through his first two starts um so, yeah, I mean, as long as the salary is where it's at, I'm going to roster him because, you know, even if you assume that right now he's like an average pitcher, it's pretty easy and especially in good matchups to expect him to get you, you know, 13, 14 points. And at his salary, that's a, a pretty good result. And then he obviously has the, the, the upside for more. How about the other side? Jake Junis against Cleveland, 5.1 implied total for the Indians. Uh Junis has not been terrible on the home run ball this season. It's been a, a longstanding problem for him, but he has not been pitching deep in the games. He hasn't gone five innings in a single start this year. Uh, he did allow multiple home runs in one spot, but uh, aside from that, I don't really know how, how much you get out of him. The biggest question here is how are we, uh, what are we doing with the Cleveland Indian bats who right now 
uh, are projected to get quite a bit of ownership, top four aggregate ownership on the Cleveland Indians right now, just below 10% on our top stack tool over at awesomeo.com. Yeah, DraftKings really mailed it in with the hitter pricing today. Um, the, yeah. bottom, the bottom four hitters in the Kansas City lineup are $2,500 or less, or sorry, in the Cleveland lineup are $2,500 or less. Uh, Josh Naylor for 2K is a, a pretty solid value, assuming he's in the lineup after they um, picked him up from San Diego. So just another team in a, a good spot against Junis, a guy who doesn't strike out a lot of hitters, who has historically had problems with home runs. You know, like you said, it's been a little bit better this year, but tons of power in the Cleveland lineup and as a stack, essentially free. Um, Jose Ramirez, 4,900, Lindor, 5K, the only two hitters in this lineup that are remotely expensive. So just another team you can get to really, really easily. Uh, I guess the ownership should be in check just because every team on this slate, you can pretty much stack for free. Um, but, you know, right now we do have them with the fourth highest aggregate ownership. We have them with the fourth highest top stack percentage. So, you know, yeah, I'll, I'll be keeping an eye on the ownership there. See if, if it starts to skew towards any one or two teams in particular, but I think it is a good spot for Cleveland. I think there's very favorable pricing on them as well. Our ownership rankings for NBA are completely free today. So are our MLB ownership projections for baseball. If you haven't checked them out, uh, and you hear us discussing them all the time. Ownership projections for baseball are free today at awesomeo.com. Uh, our PGA player rankings are free today. Uh, we want to give you guys an idea of what we have to offer here, and so are the NHL player projections. So uh, check all of that out at awesomeo.com. If you haven't signed up, if you're not a premium member yet, well, the easiest way to do it is go to awesomeo.com slash join and check out all of the subscription offerings we have from the uh, all-access monthly, from golf to baseball to basketball. Football coming up uh, just around the corner. MMA, NASCAR, if they have contests for it on DraftKings, on FanDuel, you name it, on Yahoo, we've got you covered. Uh, We've got premium content, free content for everything. But behind the paywall, you're talking about the ownership projections and the player projections, both of which – uh, the top stack tool as well, the boomer bust tool for for ba- for basketball. We got a lot of awesome stuff for NFL that we haven't released yet, so stay tuned for that. All of it developed, created by Alex Baker himself, by Awesomeo, the number one ranked DFS player in the world. He doesn't just put his name on it. We don't just slap his name on it. He uses them to win money, to win, well, more money than anybody I know playing DFS. That's why he's ranked number one. Uh, and these are the same tools that you have access to when you join us at awesomeo.com. If you have any questions, feel free to reach out. Uh, you can hit me up on Twitter at Lafay underscore D. You got to follow me there. You got to show some respect, you know. Follow Adam at Ship My Money DFS. He won't answer your questions, but he'll certainly entertain you. Uh, <laughs> now he'll answer questions. I'm just kidding. But yeah, so head over to awesome.com slash join. If you want to scroll to the bottom of the page as well, you can see the like small tutorial videos on all of our best, most popular tools from the lineup builder to ownership to projections to, to so much more. So head over there, awesomeo.com slash join. We have weekly, monthly, uh, express weekly. If you're running on a budget, we have the annual. If you want to just cut a ton of money off the top and set yourself up for the next calendar year for all of our sports, and we have the Fantasy Cruncher add-on. Check it out, awesomeo.com slash join. And when you do, head over and join our premium Slack chat. It comes with the subscription. People talking DS sports all day, all night. today, Adam, that his price has come down. Every time Barrios is like at, at a price point where you're you're kind of scratching your head, it appears that DraftKings has begun to 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 uh, correct that. little course correction here. 8,200 last time against Cleveland. Now against a good White Sox offense, he's 7,900. 
normally I wouldn't even ask you about him in a spot like this, but because he does have uh, actually a 25% K rate this year, which is one of his better marks, 12% swinging strike rate, uh, and pretty much struggled at times to prevent runs, but he's playing in a division that's got quite a bit of pop scattered throughout it. And he said a couple of ugly matchups like the White Sox earlier in the year, Cleveland earlier, Cleveland last time out, and he struggled in some easy ones as well. But $7,900, Jose Barrios. Is there any interest there with his ownership coming in at, you ready for this, 30% today on DraftKings? Did you know he's still only 26 I didn't, but I'm not terribly surprised. Why? Do you, is he one of those guys where you envision him being in the league for a long time, but he wasn't? I thought he was like 29 or 30 by now. He's been in the league for what? Four or five years? Four years? Um, like He was drafted in 2012. He's been in the league, yes, yeah, since 2016. Okay. Yeah, so 26, if he was drafted in 12, yeah, I guess that's pretty young. Yeah, I, I, th- I thought he'd been in the league since like 2014 or something. Um, but yeah, I mean, I think this is a really interesting spot just from a, there's huge upside on both sides here. Um, Barrios, like you said, he has about 25% strikeout percentage when he's on, he's very, very difficult to hit. He has really good stuff. It's just that he is kind of hit or miss. And, you know, you mentioned that that normally he's priced up. I feel like for the last four years, I've been able to not even know who he's facing and just say he's too expensive on DraftKings. Like 10 K every time. Yeah. Right. And it's normally like he has a 25% strikeout percentage and he's priced around six guys that have a 30% strikeout percentage. Now that, that's not the case. He's obviously discounted uh, one for his actual numbers and two for the, the matchup here against the White Sox. And it is a tough matchup. There's, there's a ton of risk, but at the same time, he's really cheap for, for his skill set. So um, I do think he projects as a good play. I think that you'll obviously want to be contrarian with your stacks if you're going to Barrios because he is getting ownership. Um, but yeah, I, I have no issue getting there. The the spot that really stands out though is that right now the White Sox are tied with the Phillies for the lowest aggregate ownership on the slate, and they're facing a hit or miss pitcher in Barrios um, that's getting a lot of ownership. So if you're looking for a leverage stack or you know to to get leverage on the field or just a high upside low on spot, I think the White Sox uh, fit the bill. The White Sox are 20th in tied for, for last in aggregate ownership, as you just pointed out. But they're middle of the road, one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine. They're they're 10th in top stack probability. So you know, there's yeah. there's and, and I feel really confident that their ownership as a stack will be low because sometimes you see like these leverage spots end up getting like getting some steam and getting more ownership because people are like, oh, well, I'll just stack against the popular pitcher. But we've talked about how cheap so many stacks are on this slate. Not the case for the White Sox here against Barrios, where uh, Tim Anderson is 5,400, Yon Moncada is 5,300, Grandal at 4,700, Abreu at 5,200. This is an expensive stack, and you're going to have to pay for them against a good pitcher. I'm pretty confident the ownership will stay really low. And obviously, if you're going to the White Sox, that's what you're looking for. All right. So, moving on to the other side, Ronaldo Lopez. Good old Ronaldo Lopez, Adam. It is a, not, a, not a hefty sample from him whatsoever this year, but we do have a pretty good idea of what you're going to get from Ronaldo Lopez on, on, on most cases. He, he's, he's, one, he, he's a pretty enigmatic pitcher too because 
there, there have been times where Ronaldo Lopez has legitimately won people tournaments. I could point to several starts last year where he goes off and just rips off a ton of strikeouts and then gets absolutely blasted the next time out. His strikeout stuff isn't good. It's pretty much league average. League average used to be around 20, 21%. I'm assuming it's up a little bit now just as power number averages are up. But his strikeout rate, 20.9 last year, this year in, in limited opportunity, it's 20%. Uh, that that might not serve him particularly well, though, coming into this matchup against a, a, a good uh, a good Minnesota team, especially with a pretty low ground ball rate. Something that has always been the case for Lopez. What are your thought? What are your thoughts here? Yeah, it's funny because if you go back a couple of years, there's articles about that Adam Eaton trade where it's like Reynaldo Lopez is here to stay. And now the White Sox just need Lucas Giolito to put it together. Yeah. And, you know, it'll be a good return. And now you have Lopez. You can barely stay in a rotation. Dunning looks good. And, and Giolito obviously is, is great. So um, pretty crazy how things have changed. And, and Lopez has just fallen off. You know, the underlying skills are obviously still there. The stuff is good. He just struggles to put it together. And, you know, if you go back to, to last season, struck out 23% of righties, 19% of lefties, gives up a lot of power though. Uh, 205 ISO to lefties, 226 to righties. And now you get this Minnesota lineup that, you know, has plenty of it. Uh, Josh Donaldson questionable for for tonight. Uh, if he's in the lineup, he's only 3,200 on DraftKings. But, you know, you have Kepler, you have Polanco, Cruz, Rosario, Sano. There, there's so much power in this lineup and it's a really scary spot for Lopez. So uh, right now the Twins actually not getting that much ownership. They're the sixth highest top stack percentage, the sixth or seventh highest um, ownership percentage. So, you know, pretty much coming in around where, where they should be. But I think that when you just think about it and think about the ownership in terms of, of raw numbers and not ranks like that, they're getting less than half the ownership of the Cubs, the the Braves, the Padres, basically a little over half of the Indians. For a team with this kind of power in a spot against Lopez that uh, can get ugly for him really quickly, I think that they should be getting more ownership than they are. You would think so. 5.4 run implied total uh, in a pretty neutral venue at Target Field. I, I agree. The, Nelson Cruz is exorbitantly priced, but outside of him, there's not anyone that's that expensive, Adam. And that, that's what kind of, to, to expand upon what you were saying, that's what's kind of surprising to me. Outside of Cruz, is anybody that egregiously priced on this team? Um, no, not, not in terms of being expensive at all. Um, that's the, what I mean. Are there anybody yeah. egregiously overpriced? Right. Yeah. I'll say, I would say Donaldson's egregiously Donaldson, underpriced. Yeah. Um, but yeah, it's, I, I think that they're expensive enough that that's probably what's driving their ownership down is that if you're going to the, the twins that you really want, you're, you don't have any of those like 2k free plays like you have with the Indians or, or the Cubs. Uh, so that probably is keeping the ownership in check, but it's not that big of a deal because there's good mid range, good mid range pitching on this slate. There's plenty of value from other teams that you can use to round out your lineup. Like it's still going to be easy to stack the twins, uh, even with Cruz, I think. So three to go here. We move on to Texas and Houston. You've got Christian Javier and Colby Allard. I guess we can start on on the the Houston side or the sorry the, yeah the Houston side of this one uh, at home in the Battle of Texas five point three run for Houston but a three point nine run implied total for the Texas Rangers uh, Christian Javier the young righty on the bump for Houston you know if if you're talking about the Rangers here they've been a pretty disastrous offense this season against right-handers they've got a sixty nine. WRC plus a 135 ISO and a 287 
287 Woba. These are all just really, really bad numbers. They're, 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 uh, they're, uh, what WRC plus is better than only the Pittsburgh Pirates. That's, that's how bad we're talking here with how, with how they've performed this season. Their Woba is better than only the Pirates. There aren't really any teams that have been worse than them outside of Pittsburgh. And that includes, in, uh, that includes weighted on base average. They aren't striking out a ton against righties. I think they're actually in the bottom half of the league in that category, but they're, they're still just so, so bad offensively. And it's hard for me to see a whole, uh, it's hard for me to see a significant turnaround more than halfway through this abbreviated season. So I'll turn it over to you and ask exactly what you plan on doing with the guy in, in Javier who's striking out a good amount of batters, but isn't getting a ton of missed bats and is also to just to, to be very clear about this, has definitely had a bit of a home run problem as well, allowing seven home runs now in 31 innings pitch. Kind of a mixed bag with Christian Javier, especially given his splits against righties and lefties in the strikeout department. Yeah, he also has a walk problem, but there's no real doubting the upside. Um, he's he's young, but in about 86 innings at Double A last year, struck out like 36. percent He's striking out 25 percent so far in the majors, and the you know pitchers against the Rangers have really kind of just been plug and play this year, and you've been fine. Like even even la- it seems like the pitcher just always gets there. Like even last night, you had Framber Valdez start out really poorly, give up runs in the first inning, and, and start out negative, and then just finishes at 20 points because that's what pitchers do against the Rangers. Yeah. Um, so. So, you know, yeah, I think that there, there's obviously risk in going to him because he's young. He's not proven in the majors. He walks a ton of guys. He'll give up power. Like you said, it can get ugly for him really quickly. And he's expensive enough where there's not a, a really big margin of error. But it's like this team has just been so bad. And I keep I keep waiting for them to turn it around because if you go hitter by hitter through this lineup, they shouldn't be good, but they shouldn't be nearly as bad as they are, but it's just not happening. And, and the upside remains there because like you look at the hitters that do have some power, Joey Gallo strikes out a ton. Shinsu Chu strikes out. Now they have, they, they recalled Ronald Guzman, who's another really high strikeout guy, but you know, that has some power. Um, so there, there's guys that you can strike out multiple times going through this order. And he, he certainly has the ability to do that. Um, I think that, you know, you mentioned the difference in strikeout numbers so far between righties and lefties, 16.4% to lefties, 37% to righties. So it is somewhat concerning that, you know, Chu and Gallo and Dietrich and Guzman all are left-handed. Those are the, the, the hitters that you're most concerned about in the lineup anyway, and they all have the platoon advantage. So I think it's like, I, I'm pumping the brakes on my optimism a little bit, because, you know, I think maybe some people are just going to look at this and say, yeah, this guy strikes guys out. He's facing the Rangers. Let's go. I think that it's pretty easy to see how this goes poorly. But that being said, it's still, uh, I think, one of the better spots on the slate when you consider who he's facing and just the the strikeout stuff that he has. I'm not going to disagree with you. I will say, though, that uh, I, I have quite a bit of interest in, in Joey Gallo here getting 3.7% ownership right now. Javier against lefties this year has a 7.2% swinging strike rate and a 385 X Woba and a 298 X ISO. Every fan knows the right player in the right position can be a game changer. Put LifeLock between your identity and identity thieves to monitor and alert you to threats you could miss. Plus, with a U.S.-based restoration specialist on your team, you won't have to face drained accounts, fraudulent loans, or other losses from identity theft alone. All backed by the LifeLock Million Dollar Protection Package. Change the game on identity theft. Save up to 25% your first year at LifeLock.com slash aware. 
These aren't exactly great numbers. He's not getting a ton of strikeouts. He's coughed up five home runs to lefties already this season, 2.93 home runs per nine and a 5.78 XFIP. So uh, I, I, I think when you're looking at ownership on somebody like Javier, he is getting some attention. He's, he's north of 20% projected ownership right now. And Joey Gallo is getting nothing at all. Uh, if that if that stands, and, and you kind of alluded to this, just talking about how things could go poorly, I'm not saying I'm loading up on Texas stacks, Adam, but there, there are ways here for uh, the, the the occasional or the, the random power bat in this lineup, specifically Gallo, to come out and have a pretty solid game. Yeah, yeah, I'm right there with you. And you know, you, there's there's Gallo whose price is fine, but you also have a really inexpensive Dietrich. You have uh, basically minimum salary Ronald Guzman. Shinsu Chu is 2800. Like these guys should not be this cheap, and they they clearly can have success here. Like when you talk about those hitters individually, particularly Chu and Gallo, um, they're you know proven well above average major league hitters against a pitcher who is not proven in the majors and so far has really struggled against lefties. I think they're both really good plays. I think Dietrich is a good play as well. Um, it, it's, I think, probably more of a like boomer bust spot for both sides than people are going to give it credit for. Andrew says, Lafay, which stack do I take today to score 23 runs and still only win $40? Yeah, that was- I did. So I, I played three MLB lineups last night. I stacked the Indians, the... I don't remember. Oh, the Indians, the Braves, and the Giants. The lineup that did not cash was my Giants stack. That's insane. That's 22 years. <laughs> Some of the, I, I can't remember the last time I've seen a, a, a team have five or six guys with three-plus hits. And uh, I think Dickerson had 16 or 17 total bases. It yeah, was, he had 16. He tied Willie Mays for the Giants record. Crazy. His, his uh, double, because he had three home runs and then he doubled. His double went 414 feet. And would have been a home run in like every ballpark other than course. That's crazy. People, this is how many times have you and I said this that Coors Field, people think it's it's the most homer friendly park in the league. It's not. Yeah. It's, it's cavernous, it's spacious, and it's hard to cover all of that distance, but it's also in altitude where you can hit more home runs. There weren't that many home runs for those amount of runs scored yesterday in that game. Yeah, it's kind of funny. People just assume that because of all the runs scored there, it's because home runs are nope. so easy to hit. It's because the outfield is so freaking big that everything that you put out there falls in. Exactly. Uh, I was I was live betting that game, and it's like 12.30, and I hop on the, the over, and I'm betting over 27 and a half. Like, <laughs> <laughs> it's so crazy. Like, this can't be right. And it hit, by the way. The, the, the Giants almost scored more runs than the uh, Nuggets did points in, the, in what, the second half? Yeah, the <laughs> and it's, it was a football score outside of the five. You know, like it, it was a football score. It was it was nuts. But, yeah, betting over 27 and a half is just the craziest thing, man. Let's talk about the other side of this one, Houston against Colby Allard. Uh, what are you doing with, with Houston bats here, 5.3 run total here against Allard? I really like them, especially with the ownership that they're getting right now. Um, we have them coming in kind of middle of the pack in ownership, uh, less less ownership than the Twins, than the Brewers, than the, the Red Sox. Uh, but with the fifth highest top stack percentage on the slate, Colby Allard has really not been good this year. Um, former prospect with the Braves, went over to Texas last year, coming off of a decent start his last time out against Oakland, but overall has been disappointing. And, and I don't think he's as bad as he has been so far, but you know he is still young, he is still unproven. And uh, so far, going back to last season, 
17% strikeout percentage to righties, only a 113 ISO, which obviously is, is really, really good and would be a concern. But when you're talking about Springer, Altuve, Correa, uh, Gurriel, like these guys have power from the right side. Kyle Tucker is just a good hitter, good young hitter with power and speed. Michael Brantley's really cheap. Um, I, I think that, you know, obviously Bregman being out does take some appeal away from the stack for, for Houston, but there's still plenty of power upside to get to here. They're not particularly expensive. Um, Gurriel and Altuve are both 5K. Everyone else is less. And they're not getting a ton of ownership here. So, you know, not, I, I agree that they're not as high a probability play as some of these other teams like Atlanta. Um, but I still think the upside is just as high. Okay. I don't, I don't have any arguments there, especially given that 4% aggregate ownership, at least where it stands, is is pretty appealing. And there's, you kind of just ran over this, but this is another team. When you said that DraftKings kind of mailed in pricing today, you would really think that in a spot like this, they'd be a little bit more expensive. But what's crazier is that, I don't know, does this not feel like a slate on DraftKings that because pricing is is so good, on some of these really popular teams that we're ignoring the really good pricing on other really good teams that aren't popular at all, specifically uh, a Houston being one of them. Minnesota's getting like 5% o- uh, aggregate ownership. It feels like a bunch of teams are in that three to 5% ownership range with good pricing and just no attention paid towards them at all. Yeah. It's, it's on one hand, it's keeping the ownership, somewhat in check because you have so many teams you can go to, you're not getting like 20% ownership going to the Cubs or the Braves, but with there being so many cheap teams, basically it seems like any of the teams that are like close to normally priced, you know, the Astros are still underpriced, but they're at least not like, you don't look at it and just go like, what the hell were they doing? Um, It's going to keep the ownership even lower on them because optimizers are going to just spit out the teams with $2,500 six hitters before they get to the Astros. Arizona and the L.A. Dodgers, by the way, this show is presented by Yahoo.com or sorry, not not, not Yahoo Mail, Yahoo Daily Fantasy Sports. And uh, they've got the CSVs now. They've got the CSV uploads. If you want to play multiple lineups and make that a whole lot easier, instead of doing like Adam did last year, hand making a hundred of them. Much respect to you, man. I can't believe you were doing that. Most profitable uh, thing I've done in DFS in years. Crazy, right? Yeah, it was smart. Like you're going to lose profit the way you were doing things now that this is happening, but maybe not, but you know what I mean? Like when you took that type of time to do that, it gave you a distinct advantage because not many people were putting that many lineups. My my, my Yahoo results went downhill once all the other good players could just click a button and have a few lineups. Exactly. Most trusted name in daily fantasy sports, well, fantasy sports and now daily fantasy sports, make better choices, choose Yahoo daily fantasy, head over there, make it happen. I think we still have the promo code awesome too to get up to $30 in YSRPs, A-W-E-S-E-M-O, when you sign up. Get ready for football, man, right around the corner. They're going to have some huge NFL contests. Dodgers, Arizona, Walker Bueller, Zach Gallen. Uh, Walker Bueller, last start was about 11 days ago, and he punched out 11. He's coming off the injured list. And he's facing a, a pretty respectable Arizona team, but they've got a 3.4 run implied total, 4.7 for Arizona. Uh, I'm sorry, no, is it is it Alex Young on the mound? That's what I'm saying. Yeah, okay. I had, I had Zach Gallon earlier, and I, I forgot to refresh it. I think, yeah, Alex Young on the mound. Okay, just to be clear here. It is, I think so. Okay. Wait, no. Wait. I no, think he pitched yesterday. I think yeah, it's Gallon, dude. It's Gallen. I think it's Gallon, yeah. Because Young pitched yesterday. 
right? Yeah. Zach Gallon. He's last time. Yeah, it's it's got to be Gallon. It's it's his spot in the rotation. I was getting conflicted spots here, uh, looking at who was starting, but I believe it's Gallon. So, um, let me let me see if this has been updated because you might see the totals change here for the Dodgers if that's the case, even though they're just ridiculously good, and it probably won't. And yeah, MLB.com is Gallon versus Bueller. Has Gallon? Okay. Uh, what does Pinnacle have for the total? While I look this up, you can go ahead and start on Walker Bueller, Adam. He's good. Um, I don't. I don't know <laughs> that I'm. <laughs> it, it's. I'm not really concerned about him being limited here. Like he's he missed one start with a blister issue. He was out. Yeah, it's for been him. eleven. I, I have yeah. zero concerns about that whatsoever. Yeah, he, outside of fine. Dave Roberts. Right. I, that, that's the concern. You know, maybe Dave Roberts just decides he's not fine, but I, I'm pretty sure he's fine. Um, he's getting 16% ownership compared to 38% for Scherzer. So I, I think that's the spot that you could look to for sure, just kind of as a, a pivot, because the upside is just as high for Bueller. You know, I think Scherzer is the better projected play. I think he's more likely to beat Bueller, but, um, you know, two to one odds there, or, or more than that even, is probably wider a wider range than it should be. I don't love the matchup against Arizona, but I also don't love the matchup against Philly. Um, like I kind of said before, I think that I'll probably end up just not getting all the way up to Scherzer or, or Bueller. I think I'll have a lot of lineups with two cheaper pitchers, but um, you know, I think that Bueller is a, a solid option. Doesn't project as well as Scherzer, but also is going to be a, a lot lower owned. Isn't it kind of amazing that Gallon is another guy that Miami got rid of and has just been really good. Yeah, they just called up Josh Chisholm, who's who they got for Gallon. Um, so he's got some pretty big shoes to fill based on how Gallon has started. See how it works out. It's just it's crazy. They 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 seem to get rid of everyone. Gallon's uh, served up a decent amount of power, but a lot of good pitchers are going to do that, and they're going to limit it to solo shots. And if you can do that, you're going to be good. He's gone six plus innings in all but his all but one start. That was his first start where he probably. Could have gotten a little bit further into that had he not been limited in pitch count. He's just, uh, he's good. But the the Dodgers' offense is is ex- is is a juggernaut. They're they're very imposing, and there there's not a lot of pitchers that that I'm willing to run out there. They've got the second lowest strikeout rate against righties, higher than only the Philadelphia Phillies. They have a 130 WRC plus. That's second in the league behind only the Padres. 254 isolated slugging percentage. That second in the league behind only the Padres. And you ready for this? 361 weighted on base average, second in the league. You know who's behind? Only one team. Orioles? Padres. <laughs> they're they're really good, Adam. Across the board, this team is, is destructive. And while Pinnacle has the Dodgers at a 4.4 total, that says a lot about how good Gallon is. He's pretty expensive, and I wouldn't exactly say he's been priced down for this matchup. Yeah, he's basically, I view him basically the same way I view Zach Wheeler, not in terms of what I think of him as pitchers, because Gallon's strikeout stuff obviously has been much better than, than Wheeler's this year. Um, I think Gallon is, is really good. We don't have his ownership projection up right now because of the, the starter change, but I assume that he's going to come in in that 2 to 3% range just because he's in the same pricing range as Scherzer, Bueller, Lamette, Javier. You know, these guys are all going to get a lot more ownership. And so... I don't feel good about the spot, but he is a good pitcher. Um, you know, you can not, not that it's indicative of what's going to happen today, but you can go back and look at the last time he faced the Dodgers. He struck out nine guys and scored like 23 DraftKings points. Like he, he clearly has that in his range of outcomes. So if he is two or 3% owned, that's probably lower than it should be. But if you're playing like three lineups, you're not going to need to get there because 
you're going to want to go to the higher probability guys. Do you have any interest in bats? Not really. I mean, both these pitchers I just think are really good. Um, the Dodgers are they're, – they're relatively expensive. So, I mean, you could make the argument that they're just going to be low-owned and they are the Dodgers. So, you're getting tournament-winning upside there. But it's not like it's going to be a top three stack from here or something. Okay. Ready to close this one out? Yep. San Diego, LA Angels, Denelson Lamette, Julio Turan. Uh, Lamette, along with pretty much everybody on the Padres, has been spect- has been very solid. 5.7 implied total for the Padres, 3.9 for the Angels at Angel Stadium. Uh, I-, I already mentioned that the Padres have annihilated right-handed pitching this season. They-, they-, they lead the league in almost every single category. They've been insanely good. Uh, Lamette on the mound is striking batters out at 33%, 38% righties. He's even gotten that K rate up to 30% against lefties, which is pretty encouraging. 14.7% swinging strike rate, second highest on this slate, only behind Max Scherzer. Just uh, pretty spectacular numbers for the young fella, Adam, and uh, sub four implied total for the for the LA Angels today. Now, the Angels are one of those teams that uh, for for several years now, has not been a high strikeout team. Um, this year, they are still bottom five in Ks versus righties. But I, I guess I'll, I'll toss it over to you, Denelson Lamette, at this price. Can we get behind that, or should we be looking elsewhere for the most part? Yeah, I think you can get behind it. And one of the reasons is um, why I think it's important to pay attention to who's actually in lineups, because as a team, the Angels do have a low strikeout percentage. But that's in part driven because Anthony Rendon doesn't strike out, Albert Pujols doesn't strike out, and Andrelton Simmons doesn't strike out. You also had Tommy LaStella, who um, wasn't a high strikeout guy. Now he's on, I don't remember, Oakland or something. Um, but not the Angels being the point. But but if you go through individually, like um, since the start of – well, since he came over. But since the start of the 2018 season against right-handed pitching, Shohei Otani struck out 27%. Joe Adele has 80 plate appearances against righties so far this year. He struck out 44%. Anthony Bemboom, if he's in the lineup, has a 30% strikeout percentage. Um, they, they have guys uh, – Justin Upton's at 30%. Trout over the last three years is 21%. This year he's at 26 They, they have guys – the, the guys that aren't really low K guys like Rendon and Fletcher and Simmons and Pujols strike out a ton. So it's not like it's one of these lineups where you're just fighting to get every strikeout from, from to get a strikeout from anyone. Like there's a lot of strikeouts to be had. It's just that three or four guys in the lineup, you're just probably not going to strike out. What about the bats against uh, Julio Terran, knowing that the Padres have been as spectacular as they have been offensively? Julio Turan's allowed six home runs over his last four starts. He hasn't gotten past five innings in any of them. He hasn't struck out more than three batters in any of them. Uh, the list goes on of, of indictments against Julio Turan this season, particularly his 13% K rate and 5.7% swinging strike rate, easily the lowest on this slate. This could be a really tough night for him. Yeah, it's a really bad spot for him. It's obviously a really good spot for the Padres. The one thing I'll say, though, is I don't really get why the Padres are getting so much ownership. Like, I I get that it's a really good spot, but I don't think it's, like, markedly better than the spot is for Atlanta or, um, you know, for the Cubs or or for some of these other teams. You know, I I get it. But also from a full stack perspective, you're probably going to have Eric Hosmer and Mitch Moreland both hitting, you know, four or five or or somewhere in that range. You can only get one of them in your lineup um, on DraftKings. On FanDuel, obviously, you can get both. But that makes it so, you know, it's the same problem you run into with, like, teams like the White Sox where – 
you can't get that full middle of the order stack because of positions. So it's not quite as appealing as some other stacks. Like I think the Padres are one of the highest probability, if not the highest probability team on the slate. But right now, at least we have them getting a little bit more ownership than I think they should relative to all these other you know, stacks that we like. Yeah, they're what, what? What did you say they're coming in at? Fourteen point five percent. Yeah, they're getting a lot for sure. Whew. All right. So before we close this one out, who are your top stacks for the day and top pitchers? We still got a ways to go, but you know. Yeah, right now I would say um, McKenzie. Man, Javier scares me, but so does Barrios. Uh, <laughs> I think it's a fun tournament slate, actually. But I would say I expect my highest own pitchers right now to be McKenzie. Barrios and probably Lamette. Um, as far as stacks go, I like Houston. Uh, seemed like they were coming in a little bit on their own. I like the White Sox, even though I also like Barrios. I just think the, the ownership um, is going to be too low on the White Sox. Uh, I like the Braves quite a bit. Okay. I'll just add this. I, I'm, I'm intrigued by Spencer Turnbull. Got decent enough strikeout stuff coming in with virtually no ownership. Kyle Hendricks isn't a high K guy. Adrian Hauser, eh, it's a good matchup for sure. And, and much people would prefer him over, over somebody like Turnbull. But uh, I am intrigued by that. If he stays at like 1% or 2%, it might be a spot that, that I look to jump on. Anyway, that'll do it for us. Thanks for hanging out with us. As always, we've got plenty of shows coming up throughout the day. If you missed the NBA Strategy Show with Josh and Greg, check that out. NBA Live Before Lock coming up with Adam and myself. That'll be at 5.30, I think. 5.30, 6.30? Yeah, 5.30. Uh, and then what else do we have? We got MLB Live Before Lock. It's a combined stream. Emac and Greg will take you up till 7.05. Then you got the early bird closing out the day. So we appreciate you as always. Hey, hit that thumbs up before you head out. We got six away from 100. We can at least hit that. That's a semi-decent benchmark uh, on a baseball slate this morning. For Adam, myself, we'll see you back here tomorrow on the MLB Strategy Show presented by Yahoo Daily Fantasy Sports.